to In the LOL. I'm your host, Dr. Symphronia Taylor. Here at In the Light of Life, we like to take a new look at an old book, and that book is the Bible. In today's lesson, we will talk about how will I know when I have received the salvation of the Lord? Today, our main scripture is taken from Genesis chapter 15. We will also look at Romans 4, 20 through 25, Galatians 3, 6 through 9, and Hebrews chapter 11. So the question we ask today is how can we discover if we are saved? How will we know when we receive our promise? And that is the promise of salvation that Jesus left for us. We will look at the life of Abraham as our example. And the Bible teaches us Abraham is the example to use when answering this question. We will learn two terms that define the biblical aspects of righteousness. That's imparted righteousness and imputed righteousness. We'll talk more about that. Romans 4 tells us Abraham was the father of faith and that we may have access to faith so that we may believe in Jesus. Jesus was delivered to death for our sins and raised up again to secure our justification. That's another term we'll talk about today. You'll also find in Genesis 3, verses 6 through 9 and Hebrews 11, that it is faith, especially of Abraham, was not just for Abraham, but we, you and I, we are now the children of Abraham's faith. I have another lesson on Hebrews 11 that I will share with you as well. But today we will answer the question, how will I know when I have received the salvation of the Lord? Remember, we're not asking if we will receive it, but when. Be blessed today. scripture that was read was very appropriate because it said that God upholds the saints and he protects the righteous. And, and that is supposed to be us. But how many of you really believe in your heart of hearts that you're righteous? Hmm. You know that you're called righteous, but, but do you have a hard time believing it sometimes? So tonight we want to preach about how will I know when I have received the salvation of the Lord? Stand on your feet with me and we'll read from Genesis 15. We often wonder about being righteous, and I know we're called righteous, and we're told we're righteous, and we're called the saints of God, and we know that God gave his life for us, but how do we really know when we have received the salvation of the Lord? Well, it says in Genesis 15, beginning at the sixth verse, and it said, And he, which is Abraham, believed in the Lord, and it counted to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of earth of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he, which is Abraham, said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? While you're standing, turn to Romans chapter 4. And we're going to start at the 18th verse and we're going to read through 25. And it says in Romans chapter 4, beginning at the 18th verse to the 25th verse, Against all hope, Abraham in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be, without weakening in this faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. 
yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but for us also, to whom God credited with righteousness. For us whom believe in whom he raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins, and he was raised to life for our justification. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Abraham asked the question, how will I know? It's a question you've probably asked. And as I, as I go into the back, sometimes we see people who come back and, and they, they, they think they have to be saved again or they think they have to be baptized again because they're not really sure. They don't really know that they've received their salvation. They're, they're not quite sure. There's a little bit of doubt in my, their mind whether they are the righteousness of God. And so this question is not a new question because Abraham asked it. He said, God, whereby will I know that I shall receive the salvation of the Lord? Now, I'm not going to get to all my texts tonight, but we'll start. And as we start, before we can understand about this, this salvation, we've got to understand that when Romans said that Abraham believed God, and it said he not only believed God for himself, but he believed God for us also. Because the Bible teaches us, Paul teaches in Galatians, and you find it in Hebrew, that the faith of Abraham was an example to us. That just as Abraham obtained his promise by his faith, we should also obtain our promise by our faith. Now, 1 Peter 1, it says that the goal of your faith is salvation. Well, if Abraham received his goal, which was the promise by his faith, then we shall receive our goal, which is salvation by our faith. And so we, if we look at the similarities of how Abraham used his faith and how God gave him the promise of his faith, the Bible teaches us we can understand how we will know that we will receive the goal of our faith and how we will know we will receive salvation. Because there are similarities in how Abraham believed and how we should believe. And so first of all, we have to, to look at what is this terminology used in Genesis. So Genesis 15 and 6 says, And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now that word belief is similar to the word faith. In fact, that's what it is. The belief is the faith. So Abraham's belief attained him righteousness just as our faith will obtain us righteousness. In order to understand what is faith, that's a word that we use a lot. And we know there are a lot of scriptures for it. Because Romans 10 and 17 says, faith is, how, how can you have faith without hearing? Hearing comes by the word of God. And then um, James 2 and 26 tells us faith without works is dead. But that doesn't really tell us how to use faith, how to walk in faith, how to operationalize faith, what faith really is. But there is a scripture in the Bible that, that helps us understand. And, and it helps us understanding it. And it talks about Abraham. It's in, in Hebrews 11. And for you Bible readers, Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the of things hoped for and the of things not seen. And in that same chapter, it talks about how Abraham was the father of faith. And so I think that definition of faith in Hebrews 1, 11 and 1 is the one we should look at. Because it tells us how we actually operationalize our faith. Because we've got to know what the faith is and how we use it if we want to obtain the goal of our salvation. Because Abraham knew how to use his faith to obtain the goal of his faith, which was the promise. So we've got to know what faith is and know how to use it if we want to really know we've saved. We've been saved. Amen? 
You with me so far? Amen. So what is faith? Abraham's 11, um, Hebrews 11 and 1 said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now that word substance means foundation. So let's, let's put the word in. It says, Now faith is the foundation of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So let's look at that word foundation. And, and you, you understand foundation a little bit because it, it means what you build upon. So your foundation will determine the strength of your building. So Abraham's faith was determined by what his foundation was. And so same with our salvation will be determined by our faith, which is our foundation. So what is our foundation? Well, before I give you a spiritual explanation, I need to give you a human explanation. Then it's easier for you to transfer. Now you think about people who, who buy lottery tickets, right? And there are people who do so. Of course, it's not anybody here. But there are people who do so. Now, why would they buy a lottery ticket? Well, they believe in the process of the lottery ticket. They believe that the lottery ticket will bring them the thing that they want. And based upon that belief, which is their foundation, they take action. And so they believe on the lottery ticket. And so when they believe on the lottery ticket, just the belief in the lottery ticket won't help them. They have to actually go and purchase the ticket. So because of their foundation, which is their belief, they take action. And because of their foundation and their belief, they take action. And now they start thinking about the thing that they took action upon. That is their hope. And so they buy the lottery ticket because according to their belief, they have faith in the lottery ticket. And so they take the action of going by the ticket. And then they start thinking about all the things the ticket will buy them. Because they've seen on TV that people have won the lottery. Like that millionaire who won even more millions of money. And so you see that and you think, man, if I had a million. In fact, around that time, the question was asked of many people, if you had won $25 million, what would you buy? And so if someone asks you that question, you start thinking about and contemplating what you would do with the money. And so a person who has belief in the lottery system buys the lottery ticket, and then when the lottery numbers are called, they start thinking about what they would do with the numbers because they have the faith to believe that they could win. And their faith caused them to have action. Well, if faith is the foundation, then faith causes us to take action. And it causes us to contemplate or think about the things we took action upon. So now let's go back to Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the foundation of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. If you really have faith, it's based upon a foundation. And again, 1 Peter says that the goal of our faith is our salvation. So that's our foundation. We believe in Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, that should be your foundation. Now, just like the people with the lottery ticket, your belief by itself will not gain you anything. You've got to start taking action. So if you believe that Jesus is the goal of your salvation, that Jesus is the foundation of your salvation, then you're going to start taking action and you're going to start contemplating living the life of Christ. Just like the person who bought the lottery ticket starts contemplating or thinking about what they're going to do with the money. You see, if you really have faith, you're going to come and you're going to dedicate your life to Christ. And you're going to do the things that God has said to do. But the part that we miss is that we don't start hoping for the things based upon our foundation. Because hope says I start thinking about it and then I start living my life as if I already have it. So if you really have faith, that means you're going to start thinking about the things of Christ. Thinking about living in love. Thinking about living a peaceful life. Thinking about being a person who prays early in the morning. And then you start acting upon it. 
You may not be 100% there yet, but I'm going to start getting up in the morning and praying for five minutes. I'm going to start loving my neighbor by doing good things for them. I'm going to start praising God and worshiping him. And I'm going to start thinking about how I can live my life for him because I have faith, which is the foundation of the things I hope for. So if you really have faith, you start thinking about how to exercise that faith. And you start living your life as if you already have that faith, even though you're not 100% there. Now, the other part of that definition in Hebrews 11, it says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, let's go back to the scripture we read in Romans. I want to read this Roman scripture from a modern translation. So the Romans fought, and it says that Abraham, when hope was dead within him, went on hoping in faith, believing that he would become the father of many nations. He relied on the word of God which definitely referred to thy seed. With undaunted faith, he looked at the facts. He was impotent. He was practically 100 years old. And even his wife Sarah was barren, so he looked at all those facts. Yet he refused to believe that God wouldn't do what he said he would do. And he drew strength from his faith. And so he gave glory to God, and he remained absolutely convinced that God was able to come through on his own promise. Because after all, it wasn't Abraham's promise. It was God's promise. It was up to him to fulfill it. Because Abraham knew some facts about himself. He was impotent, probably, more than likely. And he was 100 years old. But yet he was still a man. So based upon the fact that he was a man, he had the ability to make children. Because men have the ability to make children. That's, I mean, that's just that's how we're made. And there are certain things in life that may stop us from having children. But basically, if you're a man, you have the ability to make children. And Sarah, being a woman, she had the capacity to hold children. Now, there are certain things, you know, that may stop a woman from having children. But basically, men are made to have the ability to produce children. And women are made to have the capacity to hold children. And so the evidence or the facts of the matter... We're set. Let me show it to you another way. I know that it rains because it rains every day. That's a fact of life. Do I, do I see it rain? I see the evidence of the rain. Do I know what makes the rain? Well, I know that moisture evaporates. It turns to um, steam particles and it floats up to the air. And when those particles connect together and they connect to dust particles and then they clump together and when it becomes a certain number of them, they fall back down to the ground as rain. Now, do I see all of that process? But the fact that it rains is very evident. I know that it rains. Even though I don't see the entire process of the rain. But it is a fact that it rains. Let me give you a little information. In the word, in this Hebrew 11 scripture, the word evidence means fact. Okay, let's continue. So it rains. I know it's a fact that it rains. Even though I can't see all of the processes of how it rains. I know that men and women have children. Because the man has the seed, the woman has the womb. I don't see I don't see the seed going into the womb unless I'm watching one of these science specials. But I know it's, it happens. It's a fact. Children are born every day. Those little heat, I mean those little sweet little children are born every day. It's a fact. You cannot deny that once you were a child and now you're an adult. Children happen every day. It's a fact. Now I don't see all of how that happens, but it's a fact that it happens. Now let's go back to the scripture. Hebrews eleven says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, which is, that means it's the foundation of things hoped for. And it's the evidence of things not seen. Which means that even though I don't know how it happens, it's a fact that it happens. 
So it's the fact of things not seen. Faith is the fact of things not seen. So it says in Romans that Abraham looked at the fact, and Abraham was impotent. So in my example, I'm thinking, okay, if I'm looking at the fact, I know that I have the ability, and I know that Sarah has a capacity, but there is something missing between this ability and the capacity. Well, I know it doesn't rain every day, but there are days when it does rain. Children are born just about every day, but not every, in every city are they born. So what is the difference between having the ability and the capacity for something to happen that makes it a fact and it actually happens? Well, there has to be a power that gets in between the ability and the capacity that causes it to come through. I don't know all the facts of something, but I know at a certain point there's a power that joins the ability and the capacity together that allows the incident to happen. So Abraham looked at the facts and he said, I have the ability, but my ability has been hindered. Sarah has the capacity, but her capacity has been hindered. Nevertheless, God has the power to do whatever he said he's going to do. So I've got to let the ability and the capacity join together with God's power. Well, it is the same with our faith. God says, you have the capacity because the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we know that the spirit that lives within you, the Holy Ghost, has the power. So between the capacity and the ability which is already in you, it would seem that you have everything you need to live a righteous life. But why aren't you able to do it? So just like Abraham had to look at the facts, knowing ability and capacity were there, but I needed God's power. You've got to look at the facts of your faith and say ability and capacity ain't here, but I've got to have God's power. So to have faith means I base my thoughts and my contemplation on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I start living my life like I already have attained it. And then it also means even though the facts of my righteousness don't seem evident, because God says it's a fact, I just need to yield to his power. And that's what faith, true faith, that's what it is. So the scripture says in Genesis 15 and 6, that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so what does that mean? Well, the word credited, there are words in the Bible that have a different meaning. But that's one word that means the same then as it means now. You've seen credit card commercials, right? And they always tell you, you can buy this and you can buy that and pay for it. No interest for six months. So you, you've not really paid for it, but you've gotten it on credit. And, and I even know one commercial that says, if it's ever lost or stolen, it's insured. So when the Bible says that it was credited to him as righteousness, it means that he received something he didn't even have to pay for. And if it was ever lost or stolen, it wasn't sure. So he, had, he never really lost it. Whatever happened to it or whatever happened, he was always insured. It is the same with our faith. You've got to know that you have the faith. God has the power. Even when you don't feel like you're righteous, you're credited with righteousness. Even when you say, I, I did something I shouldn't have done, you're protected and you are insured. And so you cannot lose your salvation because God has credited you with righteousness and you are protected in that righteousness and you are secure. If the goal of your faith is your salvation, Abraham says, how do I know when I have received that? Well, we know if we really walk in faith, start contemplating and walking and living your life like you've already attained it. That means start walking and living your life according to the word of God. 
That means spending time with the word of God to know what it said so that I can start living my life like I've already attained. And I have to know that I have the capacity and the ability within me to live righteous. I just have to give that capacity and ability over to God and let his power join with the capacity and the ability. Bless the name of the Lord tonight. Give him praise. If you really feel that you have the capacity and the ability and all you've got to do is give God over to give it over to God, let him join his power with your capacity and the ability. So Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now it continues to say, actually in verse in chapter 12, when God told him, you're going to get the inheritance, and then he told him to move, Abraham got up and moved. Because he believed God, he didn't know where he was going, but it didn't matter because he had the fact to know that if God said it, it's going to happen. So I'm going to move on God's word. We've got to be like that in our faith. We've got to move on the word of God. What God says, he's going to perform. It's up to him. He has the power to do it. So Abraham knew that God had the power to do it, and he knew that God had given him a promise. But yet and still, he had a question in his mind. And he says, well, how will I know when I receive it? You know, I, I know that you have the power, God. But sometimes I look at my circumstance and my situation, and it's real hard for me. I, I have to keep reminding myself, God's got the power, God's got the power, God. And, but, but, but God, I'm human, and I don't always recognize you. So, God, you've got to help me. How will I know when I have received the salvation of the Lord? Now, that's an interesting question. I know you've asked yourself that question. And here is, here is the problem with that question. A lot of times we ask the question, but then we try to answer the question for ourselves, even after God has already answered it. You see, in these other verses, of which I won't get to, when Abraham asked the question, God gave him the answer. But Abraham still went and slept with Hagar. So Abraham asked the question, how will I know when I have received the salvation? And yet he tried to answer the question for himself, and he ended up with an Ishmael. Now, I don't know. I know you've asked the question, and I know some other people have asked the question. In fact, I remember this, this young girl, her name was Whitney Houston. Remember she asked the question, how will I know? And what happened? She answered the question for herself, and she ended up with a Bobby Brown situation. This is an example to you. When you ask the question, let God answer it, and then listen to his answer. Because if not, you'll end up with an Ishmael or a Bobby Brown, and you'll have to deal with it for the rest of your life. When you ask the question, how will I know? Listen to the voice of God, because he gives you the answer. Don't end up with an Ishmael and a Bobby Brown. But God is so faithful that even in that, when, when God answered the question, he put Abraham in a deep sleep. And do you know he actually told Abraham everything that would happen to him? And so God knew that there would be an Ishmael. And God knew that Abraham would sin. But he still said, you are the righteousness. And I have credited you with righteousness. And why did he say that? Well, at the end of these verses, it happens in Genesis 15, around the 17th, God and Abraham make a covenant. All of this, and, and one day I'll preach all of this. But they make a covenant. A covenant means a cutting. It also means a contract. Now, you know what happens with a contract. I sign a contract. You sign a contract. I'm responsible for my part. You're responsible for your part. But in this 17th verse, look what happened. Genesis 15 and 17. And it came to pass about when the sun had set, 
that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch, which passed between these pieces. Verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the river, the river Euphrates. That's an example of, of, or another scripture that confirms that this is how God made covenant. This is one way that God made covenant. This is also a way that man made covenant in those days. They would cut the animals in half, and they both would walk through the pieces, signifying we're making a contract. But in the 17th verse, there is a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that walks through the covenant. And the Bible teaches us that the smoking furnace and the burning lamp are the Lord God Almighty. When we read the scriptures, he says, I am a consuming fire. That fire represented consuming our sins. So he was walking through the covenant saying, I'm going to consume your sins. But then the shining light says, and I'm going to make you shine forth like righteousness. Isaiah 61 says, God will not rest until he sees the righteousness of his children. So how will you know when you receive the salvation? God signs the contract all by himself. And he assures, he says, I'm not going to rest till you receive your salvation. And all you have to do is know that I'm the one, that even when you fall, I've got your back. I've got the part of the contract. And even the things that you require of me, I'm going to fulfill it because I am God. I'm walking through the contract. And I'm the only one that has to be responsible for it because I am God and I will do just what I said I would do. So how will I know when I will receive the salvation? Have faith in God. Start living your life like, like you already have received righteousness and let God handle the rest. Amen. Bless the name of the Lord. Start acting as if you have already inherited salvation. Start living and walking in the things of God. This is how you will know you will have your salvation. And also know that when it comes to upholding the contract of salvation, God does it all by himself. I pray that this word will be a blessing to you through every season of your life. Thank you for joining me today. If you would like to contact us, you can send us an email at inthelightoflife at yahoo.com. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 255, Ripley, Tennessee. That's R-I-P-L-E-Y, Tennessee, 38063. We hope you enjoy the lesson today. I pray that you are blessed.